interesting topic, one that I'm going to walk you through with a story and an illustration of my own life, kind of how I came to the place where I am in relation to it all. I had an interesting uh, journey, and um, not that I've arrived, but I certainly have greater understanding than I did when I started the journey. Um, I came to Christ, um, for the most part, seriously in college, and I was discipled by a really wonderful man who did the college ministry at a church in uh, Fresno. Actually, he was in Madeira. The church was in Madeira. And he had come out of uh, teaching um, from a background, what they call cessationists, where they believe that certain gifts, especially ones we're reading now, uh, died with the apostles. When the apostles died, those gifts were no longer needed. And I was, I was uh, grounded and instructed. I went through the navigator study. Uh, he, he imparted to me some wonderful blessings in my life. I'm, I'm eternally grateful to him uh, and the way in which he worked into my life. And to this day, I, I, I sense this calling on my life into the ministry because of the time he put into my life. And he, he believed, and, and I was taught, that the gifts, certain gifts, died with the apostles. They were what they considered apostolic gifts, and they were no longer needed once the church was established. And he had verses to defend that and laid that out. And went so far as, and it was, it was a pretty wonderful church in many respects. Um, I went through one of the greatest crises of my life in that church, and folks loved on me. Um, as a matter of fact, the pastor of that church was the one who uh, officiated uh, Michelle and, and my wedding. Um, I have a love for that man. Um, the college pastor, the same. Um, to this day, he's still serving the Lord. He had his bumps and bruises and his ups and downs, but he's faithfully serving the Lord. Faithful husband and father, and uh, he's, he's had his unfaithful moments, but God has uh, maintained a, a pretty wonderful uh, testimony in his life. And the church was precious to me. But it was very clear uh, in attending that church that uh, if the gifts of, gift of tongues was used, um, and this was, this was imparted to me, it was drilled into me, that if the gift of tongues was used, uh, not only was it not of the Lord, it was demonic in its manifestation if anyone was speaking in tongues. And I, I kind of looked at it and thought, yeah, it's kind of funky. And, and I had actually had an experience uh, prior to this discipleship where um, I was, uh, I, I was a, a, a junior to a senior. I was a fifth-year senior. Uh, I graduated five years. I didn't get a doctorate or a master's. I got a bachelor's. Um, but prior to that, I, my freshman year, I went to a, a Tulane University on a swimming scholarship, and I had attended, uh, I think it was uh, uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, Crusade for Christ, or, yeah, Bill Bright's organization. And I was invited by a guy. I, I, I had kind of attended a Bible study when I was in high school with an English teacher. He was kind of the first person to talk to me about the Lord. Um, we, we studied through a living Bible, and it was kind of intriguing to me. I went to meet girls, and then I ended up as a freshman in New Orleans, Louisiana, on a swimming scholarship, and I, I, I wasn't a church-going guy. Um, I had attended on my own, but my parents weren't churchgoers, and here I am in Tulane, in New Orleans, uh, every Friday they bring the Dixie beer truck out, and I mean it was hedonistic at best. And um, and this this fella came up to me. Uh, his name was Damien. He said, "Hey, why don't you come with me to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship?" 
uh, come to a Bible study. I thought, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm open to learn about the Bible. And I went with him and uh, started to attend. I met another fellow there who was doing some uh, college ministry. He wasn't a student at Tulane, uh, African-American, and um, really intrigued because I had been raised in Coronado, which was 98.9% white. Uh, I was a marshmallow raised in milk. And I thought, you know, here's a Christian man, and uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, the black community that well, and here I am in the South, and a real opportunity to get to meet him. And and so went out to lunch with him, and he was talking to me about the Lord, and he was very charismatic, very Pentecostal. And, you know, I, I it, the conversation started getting a little funky for me, and I was getting a little kind of weary of it. I didn't know how to tell him. I, I just want to go somewhere else. I'm kind of bored. Um, and he, he walked with me, and he stopped, and he said, you know, uh, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I knew this wasn't going to go anywhere until I yielded to whatever it was he was asking me to do. So, uh, you know, I prayed there, and I'd, I'd said the prayer before with uh, uh, another swim coach, and really not knowing what it was all about, but I, I prayed with him right there, and he says, now, you know, the, the manifestation of salvation is the gift of tongues, and, and you know you're saved because you speak in tongues, and you need to receive this prayer language, and he's got his hand on my head, and he's just laying in on me, and he's he's mumbling and it's just so uncomfortable so bizarre I, I just I'm looking and I'm thinking this is when is this going to end and and I, I know that there's no way to politely leave this so I just start mumbling something for him to just stop and he goes praise God and and he says and, and the spirit bore witness with my spirit that this was evidence of and he's just and he's going on and on I'm like I, I did what you asked can I go now kind of thing and and I got as far away from there as possible. And um, actually, in the course of time, I ended up in a really hyper-Pentecostal church. And candidly speaking, it was auditory fatigue. I couldn't hear the person teaching. Everyone was just, it was, it was one of the strangest things. And I was uncomfortable, candidly speaking. So I gravitated uh, in, in my college education in Fresno to this guy who was a cessationist and I'm like yeah I, I'm, I'm in with you on that one that this that that I've experienced that they're whacked I mean they are so far out there it's odd and um, so I'm I'm in agreement I'm buying it hook line and sinker I'm doing my navigator study I'm in full agreement with him and uh, and 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 this is kind of what what my experience was and I graduate um, from from uh, Fresno State, and I end up um, attending um, a Calvary Chapel. And they're teaching the Bible, which was fascinating, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And we would go through chapter after chapter, and I'm, I'm gaining this knowledge and this understanding because most of the churches I've been to have been topical. And I'm starting to see in the scriptures, there's a narrative as you're going through the scriptures like we're doing with 1 Corinthians. And you see this narrative, and I'm, I'm mesmerized by it. And I'm at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Greg Laurie's just nailing the study, and I'm blessed by it. And uh, I'm sitting with a group of single folks, and, and I've got a job now and, and got money in my pocket. And a real cute girl says, you know, why don't you come to uh, the afterglow? I don't know what afterglow is. I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, if there's more Bible teaching, because I, I was just eating it up, and I had been learning so much. And I go to this afterglow, and... Um, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He was a singer. Um, and he, 
he starts playing and he, um, he, he stops and he says, let's wait upon the Lord to manifest himself. And, and I'm like, what, what, what is this? You know, and immediately hair on the back of my neck springs up and I'm grabbing this girl's hand like, we got to get out of here. This is getting funky. And um, Alwyn Wall was the guy's name. Tony knows him. And, and, he, and, and he was a marvelous musician. I sensed God's presence when he played, but now he's going off the deep end. And somebody starts speaking in tongues. And I am, I, I was physically like upset that this was a good church and now it is, it's awful. I have to get out of here. And she's like, no, 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 just stay. And she was cute enough that I'm like, oh, I'm torn. I'm really torn. And, and I, I'm struggling through this and I'm thinking, this is just awful. And, and I leave, and, I'm, and, and I, had, I had fallen in love with this church. I was so blessed by the fellowship. I had grown so much, and now these people are getting funky on me. So at that point, I, I realized, you know what? I have got to figure this out. Because the church that, that I went to in Madeira, those were lovely people. They walked me through one of the most difficult seasons of my life. Uh, this church is special, they, they can't both be right and one of them has to be wrong and there's got to be an answer to this because these are two opposing positions. So I start digging into a study of this gift of the Holy Spirit of tongues because that's the one thing that I just couldn't process, this gift of tongues. And, and I had seen it to where it, it was irritating, it was, it, it was auditory fatigue, I, I didn't buy it, I didn't like it, it did nothing to edify me or to encourage me, and, and I, I, I'm really drawn to teaching, I grew through that, and I just didn't see it. So I, I undertake this study, and I, I, I pick up a book by a, uh, uh, and, and I, wanted to, I, I went to a Christian bookstore, picked up a, a book, very similar to other pastors that have been through this. Uh, I had the exact same thing, and, and I, I've, I've heard three other pastors talk about this journey. I did the same thing. I, I got a book from a cessationist that it was, you know, this was the, the foremost writing on it, and, and I got another book on somebody who believed the gifts were for today, and, and I began to read these and look at them and say, what is biblical in relation to all this? And, and it has to have a biblical understanding. And I, as you heard on Sunday when I taught the scriptures, I believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I believe the Bible you're holding is inerrant and completely the word of God. I believe it's living and breathing and sharpening two-edged sword. And I'm probably a minority in, in, in the Christian circles, especially in California. And I don't, I, if the Bible doesn't say it, I don't buy it. And if you can't defend it scripturally, I'm not interested I mean, that's really where I, I come from in my position. And, and I wanted to see what the Bible had to say about tongues. Interestingly enough, as I did my study through the Bible and through these two different writers, and there's actually another set of books that I did as well, and even when I went to seminary, I did a deeper study on it, I started to realize the Bible, interestingly enough, speaks very, very favorably about the gift of tongues. One person in particular is the Lord. Concerning the gift of tongues, he writes in Mark 16, he says, uh, there we go. He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. 
He who believes is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And here Jesus is speaking about this concept of tongues. He's speaking favorably of it. But the thing that really triggered me and blessed me was the idea of what the Holy Spirit had to say about the gift of tongues. And we've studied this. You see in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So I was really intrigued by the third person of the Trinity. I was intrigued by the idea that this utterance of tongues and, the, and as the Spirit gave them utterance and they began to speak in these other tongues. Um, another picture where you see this is in Acts chapter 10 and it says, um, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed and were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And here you have this picture of Pentecost. You have the manifestation of the Spirit in the lives of these Gentiles. And, and the Holy Spirit, tongues is, is made manifest. But the person that really hit me was the Apostle Paul. And as we've been studying through the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote this. And, and as we've studied, now let's not forget our previous study, the church at Corinth is jacked up. It is messed up. You have a man sleeping with his father's wife. You've got people getting drunk at the communion table. They have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but this is a church that puts the fun in dysfunction. It is messed up, right? You remember this? Or do we have to go back and do remedial? So, so Paul is ministering to this church in Corinth, uh, but, but Paul is in Ephesus, and this, this, this gift of tongues, watch this in Acts 19. It says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, prophesied. Now, uh, the men were about 12 in all. Paul had used the gift of tongues. He was, he was blessed by the gift of tongues. And, and we find in the passage of 1 Corinthians, we're going to see it later as we go further into it, uh, in chapter 14, Paul used the gift of tongues more than anyone else. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Now you know who he's speaking to. What, what, what's the title of it? Corinthians, the church at Corinth. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. What he's dealing with here in in Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is this church was a cacophony of noise absent of love. They, They were using gifts for every reason other than the purpose for which they were intended. And Paul is saying, listen, there needs to be an orderly approach to this. And we'll see this momentarily when we get to chapter 14 towards the end. But he lays this out. He says, I don't want to do away with tongues. I, I, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Don't think I'm coming in here to shut this down and, and to, to stop this manifestation of the Spirit in your life. All these giftings, there's no transformation of your life. You have no love. You don't wait for people at the communion table. You're self-centered. You're destroying your families. There's immorality amongst you. He goes through this whole thing, but he's laying out these gifts are very clear and very specific and very important in your life. Uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, let, let me get uh, to the passage 
that coincides. Yeah, here we go. 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So bottom line is Jesus declared this gift. The Holy Spirit gave it and Paul used it. And you even see the church at Corinth using it. So I'm looking at all this and I'm seeing that the, the Bible in my study speaks very highly of, of the gift of, of tongues. And I'm seeing that Jesus you know, declared it, the Holy Spirit gave it, and Paul is using it. And I, I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking, what is the controversy here? I, I kind of put a picture up there so you could see it. Why is there so much controversy? If this is something that God intended for the church to have, why is there so much controversy? What is the point? And I, and I think that there's, there's two reasons why there's controversy over the gift of tongues. First one is, bottom line, ignorance. I think the body of Christ as a whole is ignorant of, of what the Bible says about the gift of tongues. And secondly, I think it's been so terribly and unbiblically misrepresented. I, I think a lot... How many people in this room grew up in a, a church tradition that believed that the gifts died, certain gifts died with the apostles, cessationist churches? Okay, keep, keep your hands up so everyone can see. And how many of you were raised in a church that believed the gifts were for today? All of them, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have no idea what our church believes in relation to the gift of tongues? Good. See? Yeah. Got to see where the exits are in case I have to run. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of these things that we don't know a lot about. I think there's, there is an ignorance to it. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the gifts. And I think this is one that I would really do us some good, and that's why I wanted to camp on it for a night. So bottom line is, what is the gift of tongues? What is the gift of tongues? Real simple, I just put a simple definition. It is a supernatural gift given by the Holy Spirit for this reason. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. The first purpose of the, of the gift of tongues is to edify the believer. The word edify is where we get the word in the Greek for edifice, to build up. It's, it's to build you up. It's to encourage you. It is a great gift to have when you're going through the valleys of life. And I'll explain that later um, in the message. But when, when you're going through an illness, when you've lost a loved one, when, when your city has faced a massacre, when, you know, that this gift, when you don't know how you ought to pray, when you don't even know what you're supposed to say, when you're so overwhelmed, so torn apart, you don't know what you're supposed to do, when you have no answers with the mounting problems that are facing you. In addition, not only is this a great gift to have when you're going through the valleys of life, it is a great gift to have when you're on the mountaintops of life. I I don't know if you've ever experienced the presence of the Lord so much that you run out of superlatives and adjectives to magnify, glorify, and praise him. And if you've never been in a place like that, get ready. Because it's one of the greatest experiences of the Christian life where 
God manifests himself in these, these mountaintop experiences. I, I remember three occasions, one in particular, we had been working on a house and we were redoing the roof and we had a kind of an outdoor shower and it was me and this guy, we were building up this dumpy house and we were going to get some sweat equity and sell it and make some money. And I had to get up early to catch a flight in Ontario and I'm, I'm taking a shower at like four in the morning. I'd gotten a call the night before and it put all these things in order that I never realized about God's sovereign hand in my life. And I was undone, just blown away by how God had orchestrated all these things. And as I'm looking up at four in the morning, it's a cold winter morning, hot shower, the roof is off and it's one of those nights where the stars are just everywhere it's like the the there's holes in the floor of heaven shining down and and i'm seeing this the the water's on me the the manifestation of all that he's done it just hits me and i don't even know how to tell him thank you i don't even know how to praise him i i'm blown away by his presence and i can't even utter what is on my heart in relation to it that was the first time where i was ever at a i know this is strange i was at a i know i was at a loss for words <laughs> <laughs> How does this gift of tongues work? It's it's real simple. First Corinthians fourteen two. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Is that what that says up there? Good. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So, the way the gift works is you speak to God with this gift. What is speaking to God? Prayer. Prayer. And you know not what you ought to pray for, it says in Romans. Groaning's too deep for words, utterances. And, and here, this idea of speaking, it, that you, we don't speak to men but to God. It's very important. 1 Corinthians 14.6 Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? If you're going to utter this, there needs to be interpretation if the body of Christ is to be glorified. So you have the gift of tongues and one person is uttering. What is he uttering? Or he or she. What, what are they uttering? They're uttering, they're, they're uttering to God. They're speaking to God. Now, as they're speaking to God, if there's an interpretation, now that's edifying the believer. And I was very edified in the shower and that early morning as I'm looking at the stars, my heart was full, I was strengthened. I felt like I could make this Christian walk the rest of my life. There wasn't anything I wouldn't do for God. I was so edified, so strengthened. It was one of the greatest blessings of my life. And I've experienced it three times, simple, just like that. And it was so edifying. It built me up. It strengthened me. I, I, I was ready to go to the most remote place on the face of the earth with nothing in my pocket to serve the Lord. I, that's, that's where he had brought me. And it edified me. Had anyone been present when I was mumbling, they wouldn't have known what the heck was going on. They would have called an ambulance. Now, if, if you start doing that in the church... We're looking and saying, they're being edified. But for the rest of us, unless there's an interpretation, the rest of us won't be edified. And as I sat in that afterglow, Alwyn Wall, and this person in this side of the room starts going off in a, in a tongue, 
I, I grab this girl's hand, like, let's get out. She says, no, let's stay, and I'm torn. And, and, and I had hairs on the back of my neck, and I'm physically frustrated by it. On the opposite side of the room, and it was a song as this person was singing. On the opposite side of the room, not as good of a singer, but in English, they start singing, and they start to edify the Lord. They start to glorify, magnify, praise to him. And they're speaking to God. If you want to know what the gift of tongues sounds like, write this down. If you want to know what the gift of tongues sounds like, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Take a look at it, read it, and you'll understand it far more. Um, Take a look at... uh, do we have, yeah, Acts chapter 2. Here's another one. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. And what, what, do they, what, what do they hear them speaking? The wonderful works of God. This idea that you, you magnify the Lord. You bless the Lord. You pray to the Lord. It's psalms, hymns, spiritual praises, making melody in your heart, praising God. It's prayer and praise to the Lord. This is the gift of tongues. And it's, it's men speaking to God. The gift is manifest by men speaking to God, not God speaking to man. I've been in a time where, you know, people were uttering and and well-meaning, and they say, little children, you need to be more disciplined. God is saying uh, through his spirit that you are too, and I right away say, that is not biblical. And, And if it's an afterglow and someone's doing it, I just say, we, we thank you for the kind words. They were, they, they, they were a blessing, but that is not the interpretation or the gift of tongues being used in accordance with scripture. Somebody shared something, but that is not the gift of tongues in relation to scripture. Because it's not God speaking to men. It's always men speaking to God. Um, Acts 10.46, they heard them speak with tongue and magnify God. Um, so, did I already cover this? Yeah. A supernatural gift language to speak to God, pray and pr- uh, prayer and praise, speaking to God is prayer. That's really all that prayer is. You're talking to God. And, and sometimes, you know, you talk to him based on your world. Imagine talking to him having a vision of his. And, 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 and this fullness of his presence and being blown away by that. Have you ever been in the presence of someone great and you're without words? Uh, Molly, the first time she met Dick Van Dyke and she had seen all the Mary Poppins and everything else and she's a young little girl and she's dancing in the ballet or whatever and she sees him and she gets up and she she just had been waiting her whole life to meet him and she couldn't even say anything. It was, ha, 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 ha. It was like when I first met Michelle, I said, hey, ha, 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 ha. You do, ha, ha. She still married me, but I, that's the idea. That's like the gift of tongues. Your pray. <laughs> now, with what we've read in the scriptures and the things that I started to study, I, I, two misunderstandings were cleared up for me. And obviously the first is what I pointed out, that the gift isn't God speaking to man, but man speaking to God. But the second thing I started to realize is nowhere in the scripture, and I had been taught this. This was my foundational teaching But nowhere in the scriptures did I ever see that the gift was given in order to preach the gospel. See, 
the cessationists say that the gift was given and it died with the apostles and it was used for the preaching of the gospel. That is not the, the purpose of the gift. It was always to magnify the Lord. It was always to praise God. It was always a prayer. It was always man speaking to God. It was never God speaking to man. It wasn't a supernatural gift to be able to, for man to speak to man. That wasn't the point. It's nowhere in the scriptures. So those are the two misunderstandings that you got to get in your noggin if you want to understand this. But here's the thing. With, with all the stuff that, that I started to kind of put together and take a look at and realizing that this was a gift for man to speak to God, not man to speak to man or God to speak to man, I thought to myself, why would God give this gift? I mean, it, it, do I really need it? And I, I don't want to ask tonight who speaks in tongues. But quite honestly... After I had experienced that at Calvary Chapel, and I had been raised with that at the church in Madeira, I kind of thought to myself, I've experienced the abuse of it. Okay, so it exists. Why would I even want it? What's the point? It just seems like it's more trouble than it's worth. Yeah? And maybe I'm the only one in the room <laughs> Has anyone ever been in an, in an environment where you were really like me, burdened by the environment? And it, yeah, okay, yeah, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. See your hands. And and it turned you off. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Good. I have to tell you, I, there's a part of the body of Christ I'm embarrassed by. And and my wife, when we were engaged, she was working at an insurance agency, and I, and. Somebody invited her to go to church, and she went to a hyper Pentecostal church, and she was kind of new in the Lord, and I was burdened by it. And she came back going, That was so bizarre. I don't even want to bring my family there. It was just odd. And I think this cacophony of everybody, you know, speaking in tongues, a non believer comes in, and they're just, What is this? So. That was my experience. I, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't want to bag on any churches in relation to that because that manifestation of the gift of tongues being used in a church, we'll get to that in a minute. I, I, I don't want to dismiss that. Uh, but why, why does God give us this gift? What's the point of the gift? Well, it's what I said earlier. It's, it's real simple. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. God gives you the gift and gives me the gift or extends the gift to bless you and to build you up. And quite honestly, when I experienced that, I got it. And, and I, I'll tell you in a minute how I came to that place where it manifested itself uh, in my life. But look at this, 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen. Paul again says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 15 what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with understanding. The Apostle Paul uh, basically um, used this gift in his own life. He would sing in the Spirit. He would praise God in the Spirit. He, he, he didn't have a friend on the face of the earth. There weren't churches to attend when he was walking through preaching this gospel. He had spent time after he'd gotten, off, gotten knocked off a high horse 
And then he was in the wilderness. And, and when he came back, everybody's trying to kill him. It, it appears as though his wife had abandoned him or divorced him. And he is going into places to preach the gospel. And he was the man who was responsible for killing Christians or giving the order to kill Christians. So no Christians trusted him. He was a penny looking for change. He didn't have a friend on the face of the earth. Every city he went to, they beat the daylights out of him. And he would spend enormous amounts of time in prison. And, and when you're going through valleys like that, and then you see cities converted, and you see lives transformed, and you see churches planted, and you have mountaintops, and you have valleys, and you have the, the parts in between, I have news for you. The Apostle Paul understood the benefit and the blessing of this gift. And he received it, and he used it, and he loved it, and he applied it. And it edifies the user of the gift. And it's worth all the headaches that are associated with it uh, that the carnality of the use of the gift has brought to the body of Christ. I have to say that. The use of the gift in my life has benefited me and, and, it, and it has proven itself worth all of the associated headaches that I have witnessed in the abuse of the carnality of, of the application of that gift. All the things I've seen that nauseate me and frustrate me and anger me, it's been a blessing. But the sad part is, it's the one gift that seems to have brought the greatest amount of division to the body of Christ. And it's tragic. It's supposed to be a gift that edifies us. We've used it to glorify ourselves. We've used it to puff ourselves up. We've used it to manifest it as a mark that we somehow have something you don't have. And we have divided the church. We've used it to dismiss a charismatic segment of the church because we don't want that gift. Or we despise that gift. Or we're sickened by the gift because like me and like many of you, you've witnessed the abuse of it. Or you were educated in a loving church that loved Jesus that just dismissed it. The gift blesses God, but it edifies, builds us up, the user of the gift spiritually. And it is a good thing to have in the valleys and in the mountaintops of our life. This groaning too deep for words. And Paul pointed out that he wanted this to have a place in the public assembly. He said I, 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 in, in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen, he wanted this gift to be used in public assembly. He wanted the church to continue it. He, he told the church that they are to use it. He used it in his private devotional life. And he used it in a primarily private setting. I use it in a primarily private setting. You may, in, in the course of the time you've been at this church, you may have heard me uh, privately in my own area, praying in tongues, uh, speaking in tongues. You may have heard that, thinking, what's wrong with him? Is there something wrong? I am having a wonderful moment with the Lord. Dismiss me, write me off. But I have to tell you, it has been a great blessing in my personal devotional life. It's one thing to read the scriptures and there's times where I'll come across a passage I just won't know and I'll just wait on the Lord and I'll just ask him and all of a sudden he just starts illuminating and blessing my heart and I'm, I'm thanking him, I'm praising him, I'm giving glory to him. And, and it's, if you, I remember one time driving in Coronado past houses where awful things happened when I was growing up in my carnal life. 
and realizing how God had redeemed me and I'm praising him and thanking him and I'm in the car by myself and had you been sitting in the passenger seat while I was driving, you would have thought I was nuts. But I was having a marvelous time with the Lord, praising him and thanking him and, 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 and talking to him. And, and it edified. It just, it, it was one of those three events in my life. It blessed me beyond measure. Um, but I guess with all this being said, it brings us back to that original question. Um, we'll come to that in a minute. The original question that I faced, and I guess some of you were having maybe problems with, is, is the gift of tongues for today? I was raised in a church that was completely dogmatic that that gift had died. And, and were those people not Christians? Were they not Christians? I, I, I was baptized in that church. They loved me. They're still my deepest, dearest friends to this day in, in many cases. The pastor officiated our wedding and did a marvelous job and preached the gospel and it was a blessing. And he's one of the sweetest men. And they were there for me and they loved me. But I have to say, I was burdened Because in my study and looking at this after wondering if I'm supposed to walk away from Calvary Chapel. And really that's how I felt. Am I supposed to walk away from Calvary Chapel? And undertaking this study on my own as a young man. I I came to a place especially after having been so firmly discipled by this, this guy Steve. That he was so biblical that there must be ample evidence There must be ample evidence in the scripture, indisputable proof that you would say something of God is no longer valid and and no longer exists. Because that's a big statement to say, this gift no longer exists. And I'm thinking, let's get the biblical proof. And I remember when he gave me the biblical proof, because I called him and I also found in the book he referred me to, because he's the one I called and said, what book do I get? He gave me that book and I remember reading it and, and I thought to myself, this is really dangerous. This is really dangerous to declare something no longer valid if you're not doing it by biblical authority. What was the basis that he gave me and this book gave me? And, and by the way, the book was written by probably one of the most profound preachers on the radio today. I'll leave it at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 And it begins with verse 8. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And they said what was perfect was the canonization of Scripture. We have the Old and the New Testament. We have the completed Word of God. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt with man. We have the completed canon of Scripture. And now we no longer, now that we have the written Word of God, the New Testament era has passed and we no longer need these gifts of prophecy, of tongues, of knowledge, 
they all can go by the wayside. We have all that in written form now. I thought, okay. Cool. Until I read further in the same passage, everything's in context. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three things. But the greatest of these is love. I have to tell you, when the Bible came into my life, the 66 books of the canon of scripture, which this pastor had declared was the reason for the ending of these these apostolic gifts. As I read it in context, what is being declared here is we're looking in a window or in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. It's a meeting of a person. It's very clear. It's a meeting of a person face to face. I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. I'm going to fully know and will be fully known. And I have news for you. I'm 54 years old. I don't even know me. I frustrate me. Any of you have that down? Then rewrite the scripture because you've arrived. But imagine that moment where the Bible says all things will be made known. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, we will see him face to face, and we will know as we're known. This is very clear. This is either you're parting and, and going to be with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord, or it's rapture, but whatever it is, you're face to face with God. And it is completed. And, and, and what does it say? It says, now abide faith, hope, love. Those things are going to remain after we've arrived in heaven. The rest of it is no longer necessary. But I have news for you. The rest of this stuff is still necessary. Now, you can't use that passage of scripture to defend cessationism. You can't do it. And, and one of the things I appreciate the most about scholars that look at this, they go, when we look at it in context, it is obviously not the end of these gifts. But they're still cessationists. They still believe that the gifts died with the apostles. And, and I have to say, I actually, I actually appreciate their approach to it more than the author, the famous radio teacher, local here, not in the Conejo, who... He, he, he is, he's caustic towards charismatics. He, he, they're, they're satanic in his opinion. But when you push and you ask other folks that believe the gifts died, I, I'm, I'm more appreciative of their answer. You know what they say? They say the scripture in context is the return of Christ. We know that. They say, I don't believe that these gifts are necessary because in the history of the church, those gifts just began to fade. And they seemed as though they were no longer necessary. 
That is a reasonable approach. It's not biblical, but it's reasonable. I like that a lot better than twisting scripture because when you twist scripture to remove a gift that God considers important and edifying to you because you're uncomfortable with it, that's, that's, that's downright blasphemous. I don't care how uncomfortable you are. I was uncomfortable too. But this is what the scripture says. This is, this is what we hold to. A historical approach, that's one thing. You can look at it that way. But I had been taught this foundational biblical understanding to realize that there was nothing biblical about what they were, they were telling me. And I was, I was saddened by it. You know what? This is fair. And it's honest. If you're not comfortable with the gift of tongues, then just say that. Don't twist scripture to defend your position. Just say, I just am uncomfortable with it. That's at least honest. But don't don't take that gift away by doing a discipleship and dismissing this that God has given when there's no biblical framework for that. Just be honest and say, I'm personally uncomfortable with the gift. Cool. But don't twist scripture to steer people away from what God wants to give people. Now, I'm pretty hard on the cessationist, but I also want to address another group of believers. And that is those in the body of Christ who take an opposite extreme towards the gift of tongues. Their declaration of the gift of tongues is that it's evidence of salvation. That's dangerous. You're, you're messing with a believer's security, salvific security, and you are twisting scripture to pull that one off. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. What's your evidence? Well, everywhere that the gift of tongues is used, or everywhere that the Holy Spirit comes upon a group of folks, in, especially in the book of Acts, they speak in tongues. Yeah, they do. Save but for one. Acts chapter 8, we covered that. You can turn there if you'd like. Verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So you have five manifestations when the Holy Spirit came upon believers. Four of them say they spoke in tongues. One doesn't. And you want to make it an evidence of salvation. That's like saying baptism. You, you, you must be baptized to be saved. 
I got news for you. The thief on the cross didn't utter a tongue and he was never baptized. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Now, if you struggle with that and you go, wait a minute, why would Simon have asked that the apostles lay hands on him or or offer them money to have that gift? Obviously, the gift of tongues was made manifest. Do not speak into scripture where scripture is silent. You can't do that. Don't you think if this is the infallible word of God that the Lord would have put that in there? I I believe with all my heart the reason why he left it out was so we could have this conversation tonight. I think we want to make this something it's not and it's created a mess in the body of Christ. I do want to be fair to the folks that believe in this idea of the evidence of salvation is speaking in tongues. I I want to be fair to them because I want to be fair to the cessationists. I know why they do what they do and I'm asking them to at least be honest. I know why they do what they do. They have seen the abuse of it through the carnal use of it. I've been there. I'm, I'm empathetic to that. Over here, I get it too, because a lot of folks have witnessed God's spirit upon their life. They love this gift. And they do see that four of the five times that the Holy Spirit came upon these believers in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues. And, 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 and to be fair with them, the apostle Paul loves this gift. And I would say to those folks, I'm in agreement that that the gift of tongues should be more manifest in the body of Christ today. It should be more heavily represented in the body of Christ. Absolutely. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 uh, through 30. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. And then Paul asked these rhetorical questions. He says, are all apostles... How many people in here are apostles? Could you raise your hand? Thank God. Are all prophets? Is everybody in the room a prophet? Are all teachers? I'm a teacher. I have that gift. Teacher, teacher. Are all workers of miracles? There's a couple in here. I've seen it. Do all have the gift of healings? I've seen a couple of folks pray and seen healings happen. Do all speak with tongues? These are rhetorical questions and the answer to every one of them is no, 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 no. Not, no, 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 yes, no. Paul's laid this out. They're rhetorical. Paul wants the gift of tongues used. He wants it spoken in the body of Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. This is is a church that he's, he's frustrated with that have abused the gifts. 
He doesn't want him to stop using the gift of tongues. He just wants things to be done decently in order. I remember one pastor in particular. I've, I've actually heard it on a couple of occasions. And, and even in the Calvary Chapel churches, because they were raised in a charismatic world, and they, they made it very clear, if I never hear the gift of tongues again, it will be too soon. Now, for the most, most of the folks in the room, I, I, would, I would guess that you probably haven't heard the gift of tongues or experienced the gift of tongues. And I understand why these pastors and folks that I've run into would say something like that because most of the experiences in the American church are just like that. And it's, a, it, it, it's, it's been abused. When I'm over in Uganda, it's pretty precious. When I've been in Russia, it's pretty remarkable. These are folks, it's almost like most of the body of Christ in America either uses it to manifest some sort of of personal gain or others dismiss it because of abuse of it. But in these countries where they don't have anything like Paul, they are clinging to the Lord and they need to be edified and they're pressing into the Lord. Some of you know that feeling of what those pastors said. I'm almost finished. Some of you know that feeling of what that those pastors have said that you, you, you're, you just are, ah, I don't, I don't want it. I, I'm just not interested. But don't forget, as we began the study, Jesus declared it and spoke positively of it. The Holy Spirit gave it. Paul used it and loved it. And it got him through. And he's, he's instructing the church to apply it and to use it. A church that we have gained most of our pastoral epistle and understanding of how a church operates by what Paul wrote. And I just have to tell you what happened in my life. And I'll leave you with this. And we're going to spend some time praying. I had that whole pressure issue at Tulane University with, with that black preacher. I had the experience of a Pentecostal church that nauseated me. A cacophony of noise. I wasn't moved. I wasn't touched. I wasn't impressed. I had a foundational discipleship by people who loved me and loved the Lord and still do. I walked into a Calvary Chapel that loves the Word and I've gotten my systematic study of Scripture through the faithful teaching of Chuck Smith as I've listened to all of his, his studies, every book of the Bible. I love Calvary Chapel. I love what they've done for my life. And I remember sitting in that room the first time I'd heard an expositional teaching of the scriptures and, and wanting to come back and be a part of every Sunday night service and every Sunday morning service at Harvest. And had I known that there was Wednesdays, I would have gone to those too. I remember sitting in that room and the hair on the back of my neck was up and, and, and physically sickened by it. And I went through all this. And I remember after I did this study and started to dig in deeper, I ended up getting into ministry and helping and, and participating as a single and I remember 
at one of these afterglows, we'd actually gone up to uh, uh, not Green Valley, but Twin Peaks. And I was up there, and Greg Laurie was a teacher, and that night they had um, an afterglow. And I, I just came to a place where I just said, you know, Lord, I don't want to be picky about what you want to give me. Honestly, I, I don't necessarily know that I want this gift. Y- you know my struggle with it. But if you feel as though I need it, and it would be a blessing, and it would edify me, and this was, this was huge for me, I said, Lord, whatever you have for me, I willingly receive it. And I'm not picky. There was no pressure on me. I I went up afterwards and some guys prayed for me. And I said, you know, I'm kind of turned off to the gift of tongues, but if God wants me to have it, I'm open to it. And they prayed for me and they said, you know, any utterance that's on your heart, just speak it out. Immediately when they said that, it was like a flashback. And I'm like, that ain't gonna happen. You can keep your hand on me all night. I ain't speaking. I'm, I'm here for the legit thing and I'm not... This has got to be a move of God. And they finally just said, you know, praise the Lord. And there was no pressure on me. They just kind of backed off. And they said, if, if God wants you to have it, you'll get it. Praise the Lord, brother. And I came back down the mountain. A couple days later, back to work. I'd gotten a phone call late that night. Something special, significant happened. All these things are hitting me. I have to catch a flight. It's early in the morning. The stars are out. The water's on my back. I'm praying. And all of a sudden, I don't know how to describe it to you. I just know it was one of the most profound experiences of my life to that point. And I would just say, if God has a gift for you, and he wants to edify you and bless you, don't be picky. Just be open to it. Don't make it more complicated than it is. And I have to tell you, it's gotten me through some deep valleys. And it's when I run out of superlatives and adjectives on those mountaintops, that the gift of tongues has been such a blessing to my life.